0: The Celtics have stormed ahead. This insurrection has them leading by 11. You're listening to Pulse Radio. <laughs> going on everybody this is randall barnes the host of post radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we will be recapping the nba finals game one it is finally here it's the summertime it's june in the building and i want to just say this before we get started y'all know i'm a huge fan of media i'll be listening to the commentary i study the media i really am well versed in all these folks and i'm a huge fan of mark jones but Mark Jones, who was calling the NBA founders, because Mike Breen currently has COVID and he's recovering. I know I did not hear you say that the Boston Celtics during that 40 to 16 quarter that they had in the fourth quarter to win the game 120 to 108. I know you didn't say they stormed back like an insurrection. <laughs> I know you did not just compare the Boston Celtics regaining the lead and winning to an insurrection. Help him, Jesus. What's going on out right in these streets? But Hope Paul, as well, um, not done a broadcast in a minute. Uh, we're going to be back soon. Um, you know, the basketball season has, has winded down. Uh, you know, we got the NFL schedule and uh, I think football's coming back. And like what? They did the countdown. I think it's 94 days. So we're going to be back in full in the fall and I'm, I'm ready. It's going to be a lot of great stuff going on in the fall. Football, basketball, college football. Oh my gosh. So many amazing things. Uh, But I want to go on and get started in talking about this game. And I just want to say that I appreciate the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors because we've seen, honestly, one of the worst playoffs in recent memory, where there have been numerous games that have ended in blowouts, a bunch of substantial injuries to key players, a lot of our favorite players that are polarizing that we love to talk about, like LeBron and Kevin Durant, LeBron and the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Kevin Durant, they got swept in the first round. Giannis got out in in the second round. Ja got out early. So it's like, you know, it wasn't really a lot to talk about, and a lot of these games have been lopsided. But this game today was very high-octane. It was very much on par with what Boston is with their youthful exuberance and their great switching defense. And the Golden State Warriors, the ethos that they've created a ball movement, cutting and slashing, running off screens, and just bombing three-pointers. So it was a really fun game, although Boston did pull away and they won by 12 points. It was still a very fun game that was very tight and highly competitive. A lot of great masterful defense that you saw from both the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Uh, When I saw the Boston Celtics put the clamps on the Brooklyn Nets, and how they dominated Kevin Durant like you haven't seen since early in his career. I knew that they were going to most likely be the Eastern Conference representatives in the NBA Finals. Because the defense they were playing, it's defense I've never seen before because they were able to slow down KD, Giannis, and for the most part, Jimmy Butler until Jimmy started cooking. Like, they were able to slow them down aggressive trapping defense, they were playing really aggressive man defense led by Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year. I was very impressed by their defense. And I knew that they were going to make that run. But the Warriors, I was shaky on. The reason why I was shaky on the Warriors is the reason why they lost today. Steph Curry is the only player that can really, truly get his shot. You know, I was trying to put things together in my mind about what I want to say. And of course, Kevin Durant popped in my mind. And this, he's been a huge discussion on NBA Twitter and also in NBA media, because I guess that they're not getting the ratings that they need to talking about basketball. So they're talking about LeBron and talking about Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant popped in my mind. And the reason why Kevin Durant popped in my mind is because I see why Kevin Durant succeeded on this team. The reason why Kevin Durant succeeded was because he was given the space to operate in isolation sets. You couldn't trap or double-team Kevin Durant because all he could do was just kick it out to Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, even Draymond Green, or Draymond Green's hitting three-pointers that game. You couldn't stop him. And then especially you go to that small ball death lineup, they were unstoppable because you had shooters all around Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant flourished because When the play broke down, the clock was winding down. Kevin Durant can make his own shot and just rise up above you and score, and it was unstoppable. The Warriors' offense was just simply unstoppable when they played at that time. But what you see often in the Warriors' offense, when the motion offense goes down and and they start switching heavy, the other team that they're playing, their defense starts to switch. They start to blitz Steph Curry on that pick and roll, and they stay attached to Steph Curry on the roll and the back cuts aren't aren't working, you rely on a player that can just dribble the ball, go into an isolation play, and just get a shot off. Steph Curry has always been that guy. Jordan Poole has those shades in him, but he's sort of come down from that high that he started with in the playoffs against the Nuggets. He's sort of come down a little bit. Jordan Poole can get his shot off like that, but Steph Curry still is the master at playmaking. Jordan Poole had nine points today, by the way. Steph Curry had 34. I think that that is the problem in the Warriors offense. When all the motion, you running all around all the plays, and that breaks down, and the defense figures you out, they start to switch, and they start to stay attached to those shooters, and now there's no open shots. Now you're not fooling the defense. How are you finding your shot? When the game started, the Warriors were just whooping them. I'm not going to lie to you. When the game first started, I'd say honestly the first five to six minutes, they were doing drop coverage on Steph Curry. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? I was tweeting it. What are y'all doing? Why are y'all deciding, you know what we're going to do? We're going to let Steph Curry shoot at the top of the key. That's the same defense we saw the Portland Trailblazers in the 2019 Western Conference Finals where they got swept, and you had C.J. McCollum on the alternative feed for the NBA Finals game on ESPN2 with Tim Legler. Ask C.J. McCollum how that went in 2019. They didn't win a game, and Kevin Durant didn't play that series because he was injured. They didn't win a game because Terry Shaw was like, you know what? I want y'all to go under the screen. When you know with Steph, the only thing you can do is either blitz that screen, switch, or, or just fight over it the best you can. Steph had, what, he had 20, He I think he had, what, 21 points in that first quarter. I know for sure he shot six three-pointers in that first quarter, an NBA Finals record for a quarter. Steph Curry went on to have 34 points. He shot six three-pointers in the first quarter, only shot one, only shot and made one more for the rest of the game. Because Ime Udoka is a great adjustments coach, and the Celtics figured out how they needed to defend Steph Curry to make it harder for them to score. And once they started to semi-solve Steph Curry, Steph started to heat up a little bit in, in the third quarter. The game was over after that. Because Steph started to, to fluster, and the energy he came out with in the first, you didn't see it in those other quarters at nauseum to the point where he took over the game and the Warriors ran away with it. This Warriors team is beatable. They're not world beaters. They're not a super team anymore. They're not overpowered because they have Kevin Durant. They're not that anymore. They're now very beatable. And this Warriors team, I believe, is going to lose to this Boston Celtics team In six games. Imagine this. Imagine Jason Tatum, who's an All-NBA first teamer this year. He has 12 points. Shot three for 17 from the field. Only made one three-pointer. He gets 13 assists, and that's what you ask for from your star player. That was the same thing I was saying about James Harden. If James Harden isn't going to give you... 25, 30, 35 points, man, give me 15, 20 assists. That's all I want from you. At the very least, contribute in some way. Go get seven or eight rebounds. Contribute in some way. And that's what Tatum did. 12 points, 13 assists, it's not great, but at the same time, you did something and you didn't score, but you set up your teammates. But Jason Tatum is definitively their best player. And I hear the argument that Jason, that that you know Jalen Brown is really the best player. I hear that argument. But Jason Tatum, by the books, by the history books, and by the rankings and the awards and the accomplishments, Jason Tatum is a first-team All NBA player this year, and he started to get MVP chatter. You expect more than twelve points from your All NBA player. But we play this game, and we love this game because it's not just one person. This isn't boxing. This isn't UFC. This is a team game. And what I love to see. It's teams pulling out the win instead of just one individual person. When the Warriors played the Cavaliers all those years, what would you see? You saw it, it being LeBron and Kyrie versus the Warriors. And then in 2018 and also 2015 when Kyrie and Kevin Love went down, you saw LeBron versus the Warriors. In 2019 with Kawhi and the Raptors, you had Kawhi. You had Pascal Siakam. You had Fred Van Fleet. You had Kyle Lowry. You had a team. And now in 2022, you have another team that is not going back down from you. They have role players that know their roles and know when to step up. And they were able to carry Jason Tatum, who had a lackluster game to a win in the NBA Finals, man. Like, look at these stat lines, man. Jalen Brown stepped up 24 points, hit two three-pointers, seven rebounds, five assists. You have Derek White, who turned into Ray Allen. Derrick White had five three-pointers. He was rising up over everyone. Like anyone they tried to put on Derrick White rose up above him. You can't guard me. And he got him back in the game. In late third quarter, early fourth quarter, Derrick White was the one that got them that lead and was part of the reason why they they scored 40 points in that quarter. And he was playing pretty good defense, right? Then you have Peyton Pritchard came in two three-pointers, had eight points. Marcus Smart, who was really campaigning to be the MVP of the finals on some Andre Iguodala-type stuff, he was playing tremendous defense. He was being a floor leader, turned around, had 18 points, hit four three-pointers, including one where he fell down. I'm like... Oh, that's what that's we're what we doing, Marcus Smart. He, he had an and one play to start the third quarter. Well, he went behind his back and laid up the ball. I'm like, is this the NBA Finals or is this the All-Star game? Is this the charity All-Star game in the offseason? Because I'm like, Marcus Smart balling right now. And then the old man, Al Horford, the old man that played the most playoff games without a Finals going into Sunday until he finally made it to the Finals. Former Atlanta Hawk. 26 points. He made six three-pointers. He led the team in scoring. That is a team. And I believe that that is the future of the NBA. We're going to get back to team ball. And that is the reason why the Celtics won. The Warriors had a 15-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, Derek White and Al Horford couldn't miss a shot. Payne Pritchard came in, made a huge three-pointer to switch the momentum over. I think it tied the game. And then after that, it was a wrap. I think, it, I think it was like 105-105. It was somewhere along that along that line and when Payne Pritchard hit that three-pointer. And then the Celtics just cruised to a victory. The Warriors looked overwhelmed. They looked just as overwhelmed as the Celtics did to start the game because the Celtics looked like they didn't need to be there. And I know that the Warriors are going to make adjustments. I know that they lost game one against the Raptors in 2019, but Kevin Durant ain't walking through that door. Kevin Durant ain't coming back game five like he did last time. They have to figure out a way for all of their pieces to work together in concert and to be able to adjust to the adjustment that Boston is making on the defensive end or it's going to be a long ride. It's been a lot of discussions about if Steph Curry is going to finally win a finals MVP and if he wins, will he be on par with LeBron as far as his legacy? Is he going to make the top 10 all time on people's list? But y'all got to win first. And Boston ain't the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. To a certain point, I think that this Boston Celtics team is better as a whole than the 2019 Raptors team you faced. And they're more well-equipped to face the Warriors than any other team that the Warriors have played this postseason. They're more, they're more well-equipped. The only team that was just as equipped with switching defense, long athletic defenders, was the Grizzlies. That was the only other team. And you saw the Warriors had issues with them. The Celtics are even bigger monster, they, and they have the reigning Defensive Player of the Year. Clearly, Marcus Smart unlocked a formula. He unlocked a formula that said, "You know what? I'm gonna be able to lock down or make it hard for your star perimeter player to get a shot off." And he was he was getting sauced by Steph a little bit in that first quarter, but he was he was baiting Steph into pushing him and getting offensive fouls. That's all you want from Marcus Smart. You're not going to shut down Steph Curry if Steph is healthy. Steph is going to find a way to get a shot. He's gotten way better with his handles, and he just knows the game now. He's in his 30s. He's a veteran. He just knows the game, and sometimes he's so good, he will hit a three-pointer right over you. It it doesn't matter how much good defense, good defensive player of the year, coverage you're going to give him, he'll just shoot over you. That's just how it is. But at the same time, I want to make him work. I want to tire him out and have 21 points to start the game and end up with 34 with 34 points. I think that says a lot about Marcus smarts defense. I think that says a lot about how aggressive that switch action worked. And I think that says a lot about how they sort of tired him out with making him run around, trying to find his, trying to find a shot. I'm not saying that are going to sweep this series. I think the Warriors will come back and win game two I thought the Warriors would win this game and they have this game won but the Celtics did not lie down and that's what I've seen from them this whole entire playoffs. They pulled off several comebacks versus the, versus the Bucks and they pulled off comebacks versus the Heat. They've been tested this playoffs. The Warriors they were tested by the Grizzlies. They they blew past the Nuggets and the Mavericks. The Celtics had to fight for their lives in the second and third round. And those next games were close. You can't sleep on Kevin Durant and Kyrie. You still can't. Even with the defense you're playing, you still can't sleep on them. The Celtics are ready. So I think this is going to be a long six game series and the Celtics are going to make it uh, interesting because they're going to win. Um, Lakers fans, which I am a Hawks fan, but I'm a LeBron supporter. I know how y'all going to feel. They're going to get better at number 18. But listen, deal with it because I think this is the sign of a new era where we're going to see smart, capable GMs draft well and build competent teams. I think the Celtics winning is going to be good for this next generation of basketball players and the next generation of the NBA. If the Warriors win, I I would say the same thing because it's a result of the team building that, that they've done. And they won with Kevin Durant. They won. They won two with Kevin Durant. They won two without Kevin Durant, and they would have won this series. But the Celtics are gonna win because they're the number one defense. They were the number one defense in the regular season. I believe that they're the number two defense behind Golden State in the playoffs. But you see the effect that their defense has on the other team. They outscored them forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. That shows me that you, you you're doing more than just missing shots. You should make. I'm forcing you to miss shots. And to me, that says a lot. Now, really quickly, before I go, I want to give my commentary on uh, the media angle of the NBA finals. So as we know, currently, right now, as I speak, uh, Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy both tested positive for COVID. So um, thoughts and prayers out to them. Uh, I think Mike Breen is feeling fine he was trying to go for game one, uh, but I guess he didn't get cleared in time. I assume he'll be back for game two, and I'm rooting for him. I'll, t- I'll tell you why I say it in a second, but I'm rooting for him to come back on Sunday. Jeff Van Gundy, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals on Sunday night, he sounded sick because we found out that Mike Green tested positive earlier on Sunday. So we listened to the game, and Jeff Van Gundy is not himself. It sounded like he was fighting like just to talk and fighting to breathe. Like, someone said he sounded like um, Spongebob in, in the Suds episode when, when, SpongeBob, when Spongebob had the Suds. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying trying to joke at the expense of Jeff Van Gundy, but that's how he sounded. And we all were saying, hey, no joke. There's something going on with Jeff Van Gundy. And come to find out, he tested positive. So I hope he's okay, and I hope that he can at the very least come back maybe Sunday, how he sounded, maybe game three when we take it To Boston on Wednesday or Thursday. But my whole entire thing is you have Mark Jones, who is an OG. Mark Jones was right alongside Stuart Scott as one of the pioneers of black culture and black dialect on ESPN. Like ESPN was very much, you know, white male dominated, but he had Stuart Scott and Mark Jones that brought that flavor and that color to SportsCenter. And it really inspired a whole generation of, you know, now you're now broadcasting greats that are on TV now, right? Really of all races and genders, Stuart Scott really inspired them. But Mark Jones is doing the exact same thing because Mark Jones has has been at ESPN for that long. And I've heard Mark Jones through my childhood because I used to study the black men in media, especially sports media. I studied them religiously because I wanted to be just like them. But one thing I can say as someone that is a fan of of Mark Jones, he called the Celebration Bowl uh, back, he's called actually the last few Celebration Bowls that's been on ESPN. And he called it with RG3 and Jay Walker back in 2021. And He threw up the hooks. He's not a Q, but he threw up the hooks. He says stuff like, oh, he's in his bed, like his fries at the bottom. He says things, I want to play this. He says things like this. The Celtics have stormed ahead This insurrection has them leading by 11. He called the Boston Celtics' comeback an insurrection. And, man, Mark Jones, I love Mark Jones, man. He's inspired me. He speaks his mind. He's authentic in how he speaks his mind and how he does what he does. But I just want to tell Mark Jones, I just want to tell Mark Jones that it's not 1999 anymore. It's not 2002. It's not 2005. It ain't 2015. I need him just to call the game, be animated, be colorful, but just call the game, brother. You don't got to do all these crazy analogies because it's cringy. The thing I hate that he says, I hate when he says, oh, Jason Tatum's playing with his food. Oh, my God. I hate when he says that. Play, Steph Curry playing with his food on the perimeter. Um, bro, he's doing a dribble move. He's not playing around with them. He's not playing around with him. He's just doing a dribble move. If anything, he's sizing up his defender. See, this is why we like Mike Breen. We like Mike Breen. We like Iron Eagle. We like Kevin Harlan. We like them because they make the game simple. They paint the picture for us. We can see what's going on in the game, but they're they're almost creating a soundtrack for us And and they're tracking what's going on for us. And they're telling us what's going on in the story of the game and the things that we can't see that they can see because they're in the arena. They don't do all these crazy analogies and crazy puns. They don't do that. And during the regular season, on a random Friday night, that's fine. If the Celtics and the Warriors were playing or were playing in November on a Friday night, you have Mark, you have Mark Jones and Mark Jackson. Okay, like he's in it. Like Steph Curry's in his bag like his fries at the bottom. But for the NBA Finals, man, that is cringy, dog. You're 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 sixty, man. You <laughs> you almost sixty, Mark Jones. I I don't want to hear that someone is in their bag like his fries at the bottom. I don't want to hear that. And I don't know who, it's sort of funny he said that insurrection line that they stormed back like an insurrection. Like, it's funny that he said that, but it was still cringy. And I hope he don't get in trouble for that because, I mean, I could see that being a situation in which he does get in trouble. But Mark Jones got to quit. It, it, like, he has to stop doing that. Mark Jones is too good for that. I'm pretty sure Mike Breen comes back on Sunday. He goes back to... Uh, the radio broadcast with Doris Burke because he currently, before um, he had to get called up when Mike Breen tested positive for COVID, he was on the radio broadcast nationally on ESPN radio with Doris Burke. You can hear that broadcast on SiriusXM, on the different um, local affiliates, uh, local ESPN affiliates around the nation. So you can hear those games, right? Um, he was doing a pretty good job um, because, I like, you know, doing a radio broadcast, in my estimation, and me studying. Radio like how I do, man. It's hard to call. It's hard to call basketball games. Period. And foot, football, basketball games, any sport, because it takes a lot of dedication, and you really have to be abreast of what's going on. Basketball even more so because basketball is so fast paced, right? Because I called basketball when I was back in college, like, and it was, I, I did play by play and color a lot of the times by myself right and it was it was a lot (laughs) and then i did and then i did did an internet radio broadcast when i was uh when i was a senior it was a lot so i know how it can be and mark jones is one of the best right he's doing a great job at that radio broadcast but i think at some point in time someone has to tell him man it's not funny it's not compelling it's cringy we're not laughing with you at this point, Mark Mark Jones. We're laughing at you. Well, Mike, I'm sorry. You, you're our brother, but we're laughing at you. Just like how you threw up them hooks, we cringed then during the celebration bowl. We're laughing at you. But I just want to say that. But also, I want to say that I want Mike Green to come back happy and healthy. Same thing with Jeff Van Gundy, so we can get back to the regular crew. Mark Jackson, it's always great to hear him. I just wonder if it's odd. <laughs> That he has to commentate uh the games for his former team. I just wonder if that's odd. <laughs> I just wonder. Like, cause I, like I always think about it's been years. He he coached them when well. he came back 2014. Um, he left the Warriors 2014. He's called like multiple of their finals because the ABC has has, you know, broadcasted the NBA finals forever. Uh, so I know he's already called it before, and he's called a lot of their playoff games. But I just still think it's just, it's wild that they have him calling those playoff games. He has to call it down the middle. He built that team, essentially. Steve Kerr took him to that level, but he built that team. He saw Stephen in clay for what they were going to become, and he has to call those games. But I think that Mark Jackson, people, a lot of people hate on him, and he does the mama there goes that man. But Mark Jackson, I, I think that he is good at his job. I don't think he's perfect. I don't think that any of these sportscasters are perfect. Um, in any of these sports, football or basketball. But my only thing is that I think that Mark Jackson thrives with Jeff Van Gundy to banter with. I think that that is when he's at his best. And he was sort of forgettable tonight. He was sort of forgettable tonight. Um, but I think Mark Jones took the show because Mark Jones just does the absolute most. But I digress. But outside of that, that is it for right now. I will be back to talk about game two of the NBA finals. I wanna just say that I believe that the Warriors are gonna come back. I believe the Warriors are gonna come back. I don't think that they're gonna just take this loss and just go home. I don't think they're gonna get swept. They're gonna come back and win game two. And then it's gonna be 1-1 heading to TD Bank North Garden. And then I think it'll be anybody's series. I think there's gonna be another split in Boston. So we're gonna go back, it's gonna be 2-2 going back to the chase center and that's where it gets interesting and then boston wins game five and six and they win the championship it's going to be an upset for everybody boston completes a very tough road to the nba finals taking out kevin durant Giannis, and also jimmy butler and also the bucks were the defending champions so i think the Celtics are going to pull off an amazing run to the nba finals and hang up banner 18. But we'll see if I'm right. The Warriors got to adjust. We need more from Klay Thompson. Jordan Poole, nine points, my brother. That ain't going to cut it. All right. And they need to find a way to manufacture offense without Steph on the floor and also when Steph's getting clamped up. But outside of that, that is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to Pulse Radio 100 on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter, and on YouTube, just Pulse Radio. And I will see you on the other side. You're listening to Pulse Radio.